Welcome to Stacy on the Right here on Family Vision Media. I have with me today, this is an influential newsmaker and someone who actually ran for president on the Libertarian Party ticket. It's Spike Cohen, founder and chairman of You Are the Power. Spike, great to have you. It's great to be on, Stacy. Good to talk to you. <laughs> okay, so let's start off with the, the juiciest details. What is You Are the Power? So You Are the Power is a uh, local um, grassroots single-issue activism group that I started earlier this year. And the long story short of what we do is we look for people who are being run roughshod and being mistreated by their local governments, uh, who don't have any ability or, or wherewithal to organize to get justice or accountability for themselves or for the people that are doing it to them. And so we help them to organize. We uh, we help kind of build a a, a movement for liberty in that local area to, to fight back against uh, the corruption in that local government. And we use it as an opening conversation in that community to talk about how statism and uh, control and central planning cause the problem that, that we're fighting against in the first place and how liberty is the only true way to get out of it. Liberty. I love the sound of it. So let's talk a little bit more um, and I, wa- I want to delve into this conversation. A lot of people, in my opinion, are discussing inflation, but they're not discussing the true cause of it, the true root of it, and how to stop this from happening to us. It seems like it's cyclical. We'll have years of low inflation, even a couple of decades, and then we have something happen and people will say, well, the answer is government needs to spend a whole bunch of money. And then we're boom, right back where we started. And this was the last time we had it this bad. It was in the 80s. Remember, interest rates climbed up into the double digits for, for homes. People yeah. weren't buying houses. And it was a really rough time. People just grinned and, you know, put their heads down and worked through it. And then finally we emerged. Why do we have to keep going through this spike? Well, what's interesting, Stacey, is that if you ask the average person why this is happening, they'll either say, oh, there's no way of knowing it's a total mystery, or they'll say, oh, it's corporate greed. Because as we know, corporations suddenly become greedy at certain moments, and then the rest of the time they're less greedy, and then they just decide to become greedy for no reason. But the thing is, we're not even, when we talk about inflation, we're actually using inflation to describe the wrong thing. We're talking, we, we talk about inflation, and what we're describing is the cost of living increase, the, the, the increase in the cost of things like food and fuel and housing and, and pretty much everything we have to buy. But that's not actually what inflation is. Inflation is what causes that. The reason it's called inflation is that it's actually caused by inflation of the monetary supply. So the long story short is that when you have a fixed, a certain number of goods and services and you increase the amount of money that's chasing those goods and services, then the cost of those things are going to go up. It's just simple math. And so when you have the government uh, say that they're going to save us or protect us or, you know, uh, do anything and it's going to cost trillions of dollars uh, and that they can't afford to tax us the amount that it costs that they're going to run up and spend. So they run it up in debt. And the debt is bought by the Federal Reserve, who prints out money and lends it to the uh, to the Treasury. And that increased money that's been printed out. In fact, now they, there's so much money being made, they don't even bother physically printing it. They just add zeros to a, a electronic ledger. After doing that, that causes the price of things to go up because all this new money has been added to the economy without any increase in value or goods and services. And in this last case of what happened, it was actually worse than that, Stacey, because at the same time that they were inflating the monetary supply, printing out trillions of dollars in Federal Reserve notes, they were also paying people 
to stay home and not make things. So they were intentionally creating money in order to reduce the number of goods and services. So that's why we're seeing double-digit inflation right now. So you explain it beautifully. When I hear people talking about inflation, they're usually looking to blame it on a person or political party. And I do feel like you know, in this instance, and, and I hate to say this, because as you know, you're a libertarian, you, you don't have allegiances like this, but I'm Stacy on the right. And I did serve yeah. President Trump in you know, numerous capacities on the little coalition advisory boards and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. I was very disappointed to see him support the stimulus right before he left office. And yeah. it kind of was the little snowball that won that started the ball to rolling and it's still rolling downhill because Democrats are still kind of like, well, it wasn't, it wasn't stimulus that that caused the inflation in the money supply there. They don't even use the words money supply. Democrats seem to avoid using terms like that. Republicans are great at describing things in a similar fashion to what you did, but they're not great at actually owning the fact that during the last year of Trump's presidency, they were on board and Mitch McConnell thought we should do, a, you know, just a little teensy bit of stimulus. In other words, have a little poison where the Democrats were like, have a whole bowl of poison. It won't kill you. Exactly. Right. Yep. So it, we, we have to spread the responsibility around where it belongs. Absolutely. And that's the thing. That's why you'll notice I didn't try to blame this on any individual person. There's plenty of blame to go around with everyone in, in Capitol Hill or virtually everyone in Capitol Hill, with it, with the exception of a couple of standouts like Thomas Massey and, and Justin Amash, who's now retired, and a, and a few others who wouldn't go along with it, who said, no, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to kowtow uh, to people telling me that I hate people that are without jobs or that I hate, uh, you know, grandmothers and want them to die if I don't support this trillions of dollars in debt spending. Uh, let's be clear about what happened. And this was, you know, President Trump. This was congressional Democrats. This was congressional Republicans. You can lay. And, and for that matter, it was Joe Biden. He wasn't in office, but he was cheerleading it as the main candidate for yes, uh, to, to run against Donald Trump. So, I mean, there's plenty of blame to go around here. What they did was they, with these uh, lockdowns, with these mandates, and with these so-called stimulus spending, the CARES Act and, and the other stimulus bills, what they did amounted to two things. Number one, it was the greatest transfer of wealth from the poorest to the richest in human history. They were shutting down uh, mom and pop shops while allowing the big box stores to remain open, while also handing trillions of dollars of taxpayer money that will be paid by future generations to multinational, multi-billion dollar corporations. That's the first thing they did. The second thing they did was they implemented a strategy of reducing the supply of goods and services by paying people to stay home while simultaneously running up the monetary supply, which, which you know, as we said, led, leads to more money chasing fewer services. It's a miracle that the cost of living isn't even higher than it is, currently is. And that's not just leading to that. It's also leading to the uh, problems we're seeing with the supply chain, problems we're seeing with the labor market. All of that happened because not just in the U.S., but throughout the developed world, the governments were playing red light, green light with the economy, where the only ones that got the green light were the big businesses and the only ones getting the red light were the small businesses and the ones getting stuck with the bill for it were all of us, the working class. And let's make no mistake about it. Nothing about our tax law has changed to prevent large corporations and people who pay CPAs $1,800 an hour, CPAs that are also lawyers, from fixing their situation so that they have the least impact during an inflationary period where people like you and me 
whether we're in the 100,000 tax bracket, 50,000, you know, 300,000, if you're anywhere less than being almost a billionaire, then you're going to get stuck with a higher tax bill and everyone's money is worth less. So there is no escaping the impact and how wide and far reaching it is. But the, the original carnage, the original shots that were fired were fired directly into the hearts of small business owners. And we lost hundreds of thousands of them during the pandemic. Yep. And those businesses aren't coming back, which also it contributes to inflation because there's less goods and services in with all of that money. There's less goods and services and there's less competition. You now are even more reliant than you've been in decades on large businesses who are able to afford the cost of seeing it through, seeing all of this through and being able to continue profiting at the end of it. It's the mom and pop shops, the small businesses that got absolutely screwed, and therefore the American people and, and the entire global economy, for that matter, got utterly screwed because now we are more reliant on ever, than ever on the Amazons and the Walmarts and the uh, you know all of the other big box retailers and companies for the things that we need. And you know this is another thing that I will say. I will actually more directly blame President Trump for the fact that he didn't rein in his CDC and his National Institutes of Health and Anthony Fauci. That's something he didn't need Congress to do. He could have fired Fauci. He could have given guidance through executive orders to the CDC saying, we're not going to treat this the same way that we would have treated bird flu. We're not going to pull out the 2005 plans for bird flu and use it for a virus with a less than 1% fatality rate. And it was that so-called guidance that led to the lockdowns. It was that so called guidance that led to things like the mandates and other stuff. So where there's plenty of blame to go around when it comes to inflation and stimulus and the CARES Act and all of that, when it comes to the lockdowns, that was something that could have been stopped from the top or at least greatly uh, um, blunted from the top. And, and that simply wasn't done. It's great that Donald Trump was tweeting that, you know, these different states should reopen, but he wasn't actually taking the actions at the federal level to stop the so-called guidance that was coming from Fauci and the CDC to do it in the first place. So there was a big discussion about that. In fact, I discussed this last night with an uh, irate caller on my Sirius XM show where the discussion turned to, you know, it was Trump's fault that the schools were closed. And I said, no, you know, the local local governors and people like that did that. But you're making the point that through executive action or simply firing Fauci, which I think the reason he didn't take that action is because he didn't want to be impeached, which was kind of null and void since they impeached him twice anyway. Exactly. Um, exactly. Right. So if, if you're going to get impeached, you're saying you might as well go ahead and, you know, get go all the way to the wall. Good. Yeah, exactly. yeah go, go to the wall with it. Just get impeached you right. know, for real. Um, so I I'm with you on that. And I feel like that's the adult conversation is we can criticize anyone. We can support someone and still criticize them. We can oppose someone and criticize them. We can have valid commentary and criticism on anything. But then there's what do we do next? So that was not our last pandemic. We will again be faced with that prospect. Spike, how do we handle it as we close out here? How do we handle another pandemic? How do we stay out of an inflationary spike like the one we're in um, going forward? What do we need to do? The number one, if I had to put it into one word, it's resist. We have to refuse to comply with this nonsense and we have to refuse to go along with it. Because let's be clear, this you know, like you said, this won't be the last pandemic, but they don't have to wait for a pandemic. If they can do this over a virus with a, let's say, what, half a percent, one percent fatality rate, 
What's to say they won't do it for climate change, which they claim will kill all of us in, the, in a matter of a few short years if drastic changes don't happen? And the fact that lockdowns won't do a single thing to stop greenhouse gas output or you know slow the warming of the planet, the fact that, that it didn't scientifically make any sense, didn't stop them from doing it with COVID, it won't stop them with, with climate change. So we need to resist any attempt to try to centrally plan our way out of crisis and instead recognize that it's government that's creating these problems, making them worse, or in some cases uh, creating them and making them worse, and recognize that the only way that we are going to solve problems that we are facing, it's not going to come from government. Just like with COVID, they're only going to make it worse. The only way we can get through it is through the free market. And so that means resisting any attempt to shut down, resisting any attempt to mandate personal decisions, resisting any attempt to try to do all of this ridiculous inflationary spending and debt spending, no matter who's in office or whatever the political pretext is for it, resisting it on every front politically and through non-compliance. That is how we can fight against this. The only shot we have is to go back to our roots as Americans in refusing to listen to our self-declared betters and relying on ourselves and our independence and, and finding out our own solutions. Our own solutions. Um, it has never been more important for us to figure out how to stand up to these people than it is now. After what we've watched, after what we've seen, we've got to be stronger. Uh, I think the point you're making is the only one we can actually go for. Every other example, every other solution involves things that are untenable because of the political climate in this country. So rather than get, you know, dividing off and saying left, right, libertarian, whatever, we have to say kids not learning or kids learning. Being able to go to church, not being able to go to church, being able to open my business, not being able to open my business. There's a significant part of the American populace that doesn't believe in those things anymore. But for the rest of us, we need to band together and never, ever allow them to lock us out of our society again. Absolutely. 100% Stacey. Wow. That went by fast. I am so glad I was able to (laughs) chat with you. I hope we can do this again soon, Spike. It's so great to hear your voice. And also, greetings to your beautiful wife. Thank you. I will certainly do that. And folks, if you like what we're doing, if you want to hear more about it, go to youarethepower.net. We'd love to have you. Youarethepower.net. I'll put the link in the show notes for today's Thank podcast. You. Spike, have a great afternoon. You too. Thank you, Stacy. All right. God bless you and hope to see you again soon here at Stacy on the Right at Family Vision Media. Bye.